This is HPR episode 2236 entitled, Hoarding Raspberry Piss. It is hosted by BEasy and is about 25 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, in this episode, I discuss my growing obsession with building a Raspberry Pi data center. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hacker Public Radio fans, this is Be Easy once again. Coming in just to give a quick update. So, I am a Raspberry Pi person. I now have four. I started out with my first one was the Raspberry Pi B Plus, Raspberry Pi um, Two, uh, then the Raspberry Pi Three, and then I most recently just got another Raspberry Pi Three. The cool thing is that they're all about the same shape and they fit the same types of um, boxes and and cases. And when I first started, uh, I I thought uh, I was going to go and try to be a maker. And so just a little quick uh, update for anyone who's been living in a hole uh, or just is not that familiar, a Raspberry Pi is a single board computer that has um, it's a ARM based processor and they've you know obviously gotten better over time and um, they have different form factors so there's there's an A form factor there's a B form factor and more recently there's a zero form factor and they can be used for and like I said they're they're cheap so the price is the thing that is really great about them. $35 for the B, and they go down from there all the way down to $5 for the zero. And, you know, they have different functionality depending on which model and what generation you have. But they basically are an ARM computer that's connected with Internet, whether the Internet be through um, just through Ethernet for some of the some of the models or Wi-Fi and Ethernet for some of the other models, and also Bluetooth for the most recent model. And so, and they also have a um, a, a set of GPIO, GPIO pins, which are um, general purpose input and output input and output um, interfaces. And so, what you can do, and what a lot of people do, and what their main goal was of the Raspberry Pi project was to be able to get these into the hands of kids and and young people learn and computer learners all over the world for in a way that's inexpensive to teach them about um, robotics uh, electronics uh, and com- general computing 
And so I'm like, yeah, you know what? These are great. I'm going to get one. So I got a, the Raspberry Pi B+. And I saw some cool projects that people had posted online. One of the cool things about um, Raspberry Pi, as opposed to some of the other Singapore computers, which you might have better specs, like the Ojoid series or um, or the Orange Pi, Banana Pi type uh, devices, is the community around um, Raspberry Pi project. And so there's always people posting about what they did with them. And there's all types of... Um, forums that you can go to and look at how how other people have used their Raspberry Pis. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this too. So I bought some one-wire um, um, thermal meters, so, and a breadboard, like a reusable breadboard, and I'm like, yeah, I want to be a maker. I'm going to get this going. I'm going to learn about how to do this stuff. And so I went through the process of, you know, doing my first, because I really want to do temperature sensing. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to plug these in. I'm going to hook this up to the GPO pins. It's going to be great. And I bought all the stuff and I connected, I tried to connect the breadboard and the, the one wire cables. And I'm like, oh, I don't have resistors because to make temperature sensing work, I thought there would be resistors inside the temperature sensing module, but there's not. You need sensors to hook up to the, I mean, you need resistors to put on the breadboard to make it work. So I'm like, ah, oh, I need to get resistors. And so then I bought some resistors and I'm like, ah, oh, and I just never have gotten back to it. That was three years ago now. And I've never gone back to actually trying to hook it up with the resistors. I still have all the pieces and they're still sitting in a drawer ready to be used. And I, every once in a while, I'll look at it and I get these ambitious thoughts in my head and they always fizzle out because I'm not a maker. I wish I was. I wish I'd get into it. I'm just like, you know what? I have a thermometer. Okay? <laughs> like, do I want to learn how to use this stuff? Yes, I do. But, I, I, one, I just don't want to have a Raspberry Pi on my desk. That's how a lot of these people do it. They have the device on their desk and they're, and they're fiddling with it. Like, and that's, I, I just don't, I, my desk is my work area. I work from home and I don't have time or space to be messing around with that in that area. And so what I did instead with that device, my first device was I turned it into a little device where I would run just a couple of autom um, automated tasks. The first one being running a speed test. So there is, um, so one quick thing before I go too far, the original version of the Raspberry Pi came with an operating system called Raspbian, um, which is a slightly modified version of Debian for the Raspberry Pi. And although it has some security um, issues, or it's just not, you know, it's not meant to be out on the open internet because <laughs> it's the way it's set up, um, it works pretty well. And if you're familiar with Debian, which I am, I use uh, Ubuntu full-time for all my work and all my home stuff, then, you know, it, it works for you. So I'm like, well, you know, I don't need this thing, so I don't need a GUI. I run it headless. And I first just had this command line tool called uh, speed test CLI. And it is an interface written in Python, I'm pretty sure, that goes out, calls, um, uses like speedtest.net, runs the, um, runs like a, a standard speedtest.net thing that you could do, like if you're running speedtest.net from your mobile device or from, or from your computer, 
gets the upload speed, the download speed. It actually saves a, a low uh, URL to the, the image of the graph that gets per- created when you do it. And so I, I wrote a small little script that would put all the information into a line of a CSV file. And then I made a cron job that every hour on the hour would run speedtest.net and tell me what my internet speed was because I was having problems with my AT&T um, broadband. I mean, I have this fiber to my house and I have internet issues. It doesn't make sense. So I started to track this stuff. And then I said, well, I'm doing that. Maybe there's some other things I could track that, like in a passive capacity. So there's a couple other little things that I track as well. Um, besides the speed test. And originally I was just putting the speed test that net stuff into, um, a CSV file. I rewrote it slightly to put it into a SQLite database. So it's a little bit more, um, a little bit easier to interface with, with, uh, because I like to make graphs and stuff out of it sometimes. So it does that. It also, um, I use SMTP mailer, some mailing protocol to like send me every day, like to download something from, uh, the weather for- forecast, put it in an email and email myself the weather for the day. So every morning at eight o'clock, I get an email with the weather and I use CalSay to deliver that message. So in ASCII art, there'll be a different cow or animal every day that says, you know, weather today. And, uh, so those are kind of cool. That's a little simple bash script, maybe three or four lines long. Put that in a cron job. And then I discovered Incron. And I've already done a post about what I've done with Incron, which is a, a, a file system watcher daemon, daemon, which will look for changes in a specific path and do whatever, um, actions or scripts that you want to run on that new file or new path that comes into that uh, file path system. And I use that because I have some documents that need the same formatting all the time. And, you know, I could have it on my main computer, but this way I can use it from any computer in the house. I can just always mount that um, through SFTP, throw a a markdown file into one of the different folders, because I have different folders for different formats. So drop into the format of, of my choice folder and it'll output into the done folder and then I pick it up and then I'm, I'm done. So that was my one Raspberry Pi. I'm like, Oh, that's great. And then the Raspberry Pi two came out. I'm like, well, I got to get the new one. So I got that one and that one. I once again had those ambitious things about, you know, I'm going to put my one wire um, thermometer sensors and want to do it. Never happened. <laughs> Instead, I said, well, you know what? I have another job for this thing. So I, I was learning Django at the time, and so I made it my dev machine. So I didn't have to put, um, so I, I could have like a stable environment that was, so I wasn't, didn't have one development environment on one computer and a different one on another one. And I could be syncing the files. I could be, um, you know, just doing a, a Git repository or something, but I'm like, no, I want to be able to, to serve it up kind of like it was a production server. So I want to set up Nginx and 
Um, I did Postgres at the beginning, but now I'm back just using SQLite because it's faster on the Raspberry Pi. And, um, you know, I just wanted to get it working in a way that would be, because I ended up making, uh, I ended up making a real project around that, that, that concept. And so I want to be able to do it in real life to say that I could do it so that if I had, when I go and push that to a production for a client, I know how to do it. So I've done that. It works. So that was on there for a while. And then more recently, I um, wrote my own um, workout app. And it's really simple. Like, cause I looked at all these workout apps online, and they all want you to sign up and, and gather all of your information. And they want you to have, like, fitness devices and everything. And they never, and they didn't do the thing that I really wanted to do, which was actually log my events. Like, I want to be able to log the, the things that I wanted to log and the way I wanted to log them. And so I spent the time, and I wanted to learn Bottle at the same time. So Bottle, like Django or Python web development frameworks, um, just uh, for a little introduction to those. Um, and so I made it, I, I used Bootstrap JS to make it mobile friendly. And now every day that I go to the gym, I come home and I, on, on my Raspberry Pi 2, log every event. So I'll say I did this much back, this much biceps, this much legs, this much running, this much cardio, this much abs. And I can do it myself. No one else has my information except for me. I can graph it. I can chart it. I can do whatever I want. And I know it's not that big a deal that other people have it, but I just really like every time I go into one of those apps and they're like, where's, what's your location? And like, what's, what's your email address? I just get like, I just get all weird about it and I just say no. <laughs> so, so I'm glad I have my little, um, Raspberry Pi to later on. I've now put, um, made a Git server out of that one. So I have a couple repositories on there that I don't want to share on GitHub or on Bitbucket, which is where I store the, my other things. Like, um, I think I'll put in the show notes here, my Bitbucket um, repositories for for these web apps that I've created. Um, so that's the Raspberry Pi 2. It only has two jobs. And the cool thing about these is that they're $35. And if you want to do a whole bunch of other things with them, the, the money starts to add up. So you can end up spending $100 per one of these activities. But with these, um, especially all the ones up to the Raspberry Pi 3, if you just have, um, you know, old phone chargers at home, because every time you get a new a new phone, you get a new charger, but you still have your old charger. So you end up getting a big pile of these. Well, all these micro um, USB chargers work on the Raspberry Pi. The new ones, um, the Raspberry Pi 3, they use a little bit more energy. So I have been getting the like the ones released by Element 14 or by Canakit to say that these are for the Raspberry Pi 3 because I, I know that they, they use up more amperage, I think. So, like I said, I'm not an electric electrical engineer or anything, so that's all mumbo-jumbo for the most part to me. <laughs> like, I get it conceptually, but don't ask me any specifics. Uh, so, I'm like, alright, well, for a while I just had those two, and I just had these little simple black uh, plastic cases that I got off of Amazon for like... Four or five dollars, and that was good. But then the Raspberry Pi three came out, and so when that came out, I'm like, all right, I want to get one of those. 
And when I got one of those, I'm like, well, I need a better way to store these because now they're just starting, these little cases are kind of big. They're making these little tiny Raspberry Pis a lot bulkier. So I saw also on Amazon, and I'll put this in the show notes too, um, I found a little rack for Raspberry Pis. And they do make some of these racks that hold up to 10 devices. The little, they're made out of acrylic or plastic, and they're, and they're just like stacked up on top of each other, all facing the same direction. And so I bought one that has a four rack, uh, rack. And, and you don't have to put all four of the pieces together. You can put the pieces together as you need them. So for a while, it was just a three rack set, and now it's a four rack set. But on this one, I'm like, well, I need to get this device because I need to, because I'm getting, I'm a Raspberry Pi person now. And so I bought it and then figured out a use for it. And the use I found for this one has changed over time. And I've done several different things with it. Um, one, it, it was for a while just my, um, my computer that's just always on my LAN, that's always on, so that I could do stuff like IRSSI, um, which is a IRC client. So I can just have like something that's always on, that's always there. So if I'm not at home, I can always SSH into my home network and be on the network and have a computer that has all the stuff that's all, that's already on that I need. And so it sometimes had like NFS mounts to other things on my network that I, like on my, on my network attached storage so that I could have all of my files, even if I wasn't around them. And that was cool for a while. But then I found a better project for it because um, I had been using, back in the day, I used Google Reader, and then I had switched to Feedly, and I heard people talking about tiny, tiny RSS. And so I finally decided to try that. So I, I made a tiny, tiny RSS server out of this one, and I have the tiny, tiny RSS app on my phone, and with the web, the web interface for my regular computer, which is similar, it's close enough to Feedly where I don't need Feedly anymore. I can do everything that I used Feedly for with this without any compromises. So that's great. One more thing that is in my control. And, and as I'm doing these things, I know a lot of people are like, why are you going through all this work? It's more because I, f I want to. I want to learn these things. I want to learn how, like I, I had never really, I've set up, um, like Tiny Tiny RSS is, is a, it's a lamp stack. And I've set up a LAMP stack before, but it's been a while, and I wanted to do it again. And I wanted to, well, it's, it's a little different. It uses, I'm using LightD instead of Apache. And I was going to use, I tried to use SQLite, but it was too, it was, their preferred method is for you to use Postgres. And so I tried to mess around with it for a while. I was like, you know, fine, I'll just use Postgres. So I'll, I learned how to integrate LightD into Postgres and all these things. So th these are things that, you know, I'm not a sysadmin, but I do develop and I, and it's come in handy on more than one occasion when an application that I'm working on doesn't work and the vendor is there trying to fix it. And I'm like, well, did you check the firewall to see if that port is open? And just knowing that from messing with this stuff, it, like solves problems in my job. <laughs> like it's not my job to f figure that out, but you know, I'm able to contribute. Um, so that's that Raspberry Pi. And then I'm like, well, I have, um, a part of my business is doing customer interaction. So getting new clients, managing my current clients. And I started looking for a CRM 
and uh, a customer relation management system. And I saw all these, and there are some good open source ones, but they're so big and they're so huge. And I'm like, can I do something different? Can I make my own CRM? And I'm like, do I really want to go through the effort? And then I remembered how easy it is to set up something in Django. So I made another really simple Django app that um, that does the CRM the way I want to do it. And it's probably not the right way to do a CRM, but it does what I want to do, which is be able to track my the clients, track conversations I have with them, and, and you know, and be able to say like, what was the last time I met with them? I have like a scale on, on how engaged I am with that client, and so you know, building up a a, a way to say okay. My really good clients, I'm going to start to build a procedure where how I, like how often I contact them, the ones that, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that are leads that, you know, I'm tracking now to say, oh yeah, I've contacted them. They told me to go piss off. I contacted them. They seem slightly interested, but weren't the person in charge, you know, all that kind of information that you need to know uh, is important. So, um, I said, okay, let's do it. I built that. So now I have another web server. So now out of my four Raspberry Pis, three of them are little web apps and the $35 for life web apps. I was, I was thinking about putting these on DigitalOcean because I used DigitalOcean for certain things, but I thought about it. I'm like, I could do five or $10 a month for each of these indefinitely. Or I can pay $35 once plus for, like, I already had SD cards around the house, so I didn't have to buy those. I had to buy one or two new um, new chargers, so for, like, you know, anywhere between 35 and 50 bucks, or 55 bucks, I could have it for the year or for forever. And I said, and I don't really need these things to be off the land. So I said, well, I'll just do them myself. And now... I have like a little stack of them. And now that I have a stack of basically servers on my network, I started messing with things like Ansible and Fabric to kind of orchestrate things. Not because that they're, the things that are on there are so complicated that I need that, but because it interests me. So like I have simple fab, Fabric um, automation things where I just send a command and it'll run because the first two, um, the, the B plus and the two, are running Raspbian still, but the two Raspberry Pi 3s are running Ubuntu 1604 minimal server. And so, um, but since they're both Debian based, I can run the same command. So I'll just say, for all four of these devices, run sudo apt-get update and sudo apt-get this upgrade dash y, and it goes and updates all of them at the same time. And then I'll do send this sudo reboot to all of them at the same time, and they all reboot at the same time. I mean, do I need to know how to do that? Am I ever going to be a sysadmin doing this for my job? No. But it interests me. And it, and the thing I was searching for when I bought the Raspberry Pis, I'm being fulfilled in, which is to scratch that itch, that curiosity of, of, uh, of computing. And I thought it was going to come in that maker space. And it really never did, even though it would make my wife happier because all these things that I've done with these are pretty much just for me, with the exception of maybe the, um, 
maybe the speed test, I, if the internet's acting up, I can go tell her, oh yeah, I, every day at five o'clock this week, it's had this problem or something like that. Everything else is, is for me. These other projects, like I was supposed to hook one up to our garage system and make it so that you can press a button on your phone to open it. That didn't happen. That would have helped her. So, you know, she's kind of gotten over it. <laughs> but it, it makes me happy. It, it, um, it does what I want to do, which is get some, get some, uh, training on these, uh, things, learn some things that I, I'm interested in and, and, you know, just have fun. And that's what hacking is about, right? It's, it's learning things and taking them apart and understanding how they work. And I know way more about how, even though I've been running Ubuntu or Fedora full time, since 2011, I think, yeah, I was 11, 10 was my first thing. Yeah. So it, since then, I've, in the last couple of years, since I've been managing these devices, my, I've learned so much more. And I really recommend if anyone hasn't bothered getting one of these devices because they didn't know what they were going to use them for, because they're not a tinkerer, they're not a maker, they're not going to build a robot out of them. That's um, that's one use case for them, and that's, maybe that was the use case that they were intended for, but since they do have general-purpose computing software installed on them, you can do whatever you want with them. So that's uh, my episode. I encourage um, all of you out there to submit an episode. I know it's kind of a scary thought at first, but once you do it, I, I just watched this movie with my kids recently called Sing. It's about... Uh, the singing competition with these little dancing and singing animals and animation. You get the point. Um, but the uh, Matthew McConaughey's character s- says about being shy, if you just start to do the thing that you're shy about, you'll stop being shy about it because you're finally doing it. And I think that's kind of true. So um, please, we need shows. I love hearing about everything from, you know, what someone's cat's doing to what you're doing with your soldering iron or your electrical voltmeters. All that stuff is, I get something out of it. And I know a lot of other people do too. So keep up the good work and happy hacking. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hekka Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.